Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Kenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we're talking about Brick and the Big Sleep as part of Noir Vember. But first, let's catch up. Kenz, what are you into this week? Baby Yoda is the first thing. I think you agree. Yes. <laughs> Baby Yoda sweeping the nation. Unifying. I've, like, I've never felt baby fever before but baby yoda has triggered something yeah yeah i said to tim i feel like you know when avatar came out people experienced like depression because they were not navi and they could never be navi i feel that but like my womb will never produce baby yoda (laughs) and i get like part of me was like when i first saw pictures of it i was like what's the big deal you know yeah everyone's sort of freaking out about it but then i watched it and i was like i get it and what you don't get in the gifs is that it it like speaks in a baby voice too yeah (laughs) i know oh my god oh so cute so there's not much else to say about it but the best part of the whole mandalorian yeah by far yeah yeah 100 percent um and then the second thing is the book by linda holmes evie drake starts over um i love linda holmes from pop culture happy hour at npr she's like the best she's like our podcasting godmother who doesn't yes (laughs) she never has a wrong opinion like she's just always right she's never problematic she's just like a person does the work yeah yeah um and her book evie drake starts over it's her first book I think and it's a like hallmark movie <sighs> romance Ugh. about a woman living in maine who the day she's going to leave her husband he dies in a horrific car accident um and everyone is like oh we're so sad for you your husband just died but she was like he was abusive and but no oh, one knows shit. that um and then a former Yankee pitcher live, moves into her like apartment attached to her house because he <sighs> has like lost the ability to pitch. And then they fall in love and it's really hot. Oh, yes. Love it. Chef's kiss. And then the third thing is the podcast, The Missing Crypto Queen, which is put out by BBC. And it's about a scam sort like Bitcoin thing. Ooh. <laughs> But it's like one co- one coin is the type of cryptocurrency, and the lady who started it was called Doctor Ruja, I think. And she, it's basically like she scammed all these people out of like billions of dollars or whatever. And sounds like a femme fatale. <laughs> oh, good tie-in. <laughs> and and anyway, she just like disappeared one day, Ooh. Um, and is probably like on the run because she history yeah but it's a good <laughs> podcast <laughs> bridget's high this week because she's has the flu it's kind of like being high <laughs> less fun what are you into bridget um so yes if you can't tell i'm sick uh and i stayed home two days this week from work and i downloaded on my ipad in the dream house and the new book by carmen maria machado mm-hmm. um a patron of Mackenzie's art uh oh. i think about whenever time whenever i like interact with her reading her or like looking at her tweets i'm like oh my god she has messaged Mackenzie. i know isn't that it's crazy um, i've talked to her <laughs> 
Yeah, like something you made is in her house, probably. I know. It is. Isn't that crazy? It's so wild. But it's her new book, and it's about an abusive relationship that she had um, a couple of years ago, I think in her 20s, uh, while she was in grad school. And it's told, every chapter is told from like a different genre perspective. So the conceit is that it's this dream house um, that she lives in with her girlfriend. And so every chapter is like the dream house as a horror movie, the dream house as sci-fi, the dream house as a Hallmark movie um, and so on and so forth. And uh, I couldn't put it down. I finished it in like three hours. It was a really like rewarding blend of um, like fiction and research and memoir. Uh, and I think it was one, definitely one of the first, things I've ever read about a queer abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and she investigates that in like a really interesting way. Um, I just really, really loved it. Thought it was great. Definitely recommend. I I bought it like last week. I'm so excited. uh, Yeah. It's a quick read too. I think it's Mm -hmm. also because every chapter is like a page long. So you're just like going through it really quick. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and I love that like she is both a really beautiful writer, eloquent, knows, so much about writing and literature and then is also like a huge nerd as well like there's yeah. a whole chapter where she just goes deep on this star trek episode from next gen or like <laughs> she'll talk about doctor who or like mod cloth clothing <laughs> and i'm like oh that's perfect um i'm also into uh snl has produced produced very few actually good things in their 44 year long run. But one of them is Bill Hader's Vincent Price. He did like a few uh, skits where he's Vincent Price hosting like a holiday special. And I really highly recommend his Thanksgiving special. And the premise is always like Vincent Price is there to have like a wholesome time. And all the guests on his show are like, hi, or lecherous or just perverted. And he's just trying to keep it PG for the kids. Very, very cute. Um, the last thing I'd like to plug is Billy on the street, which is now on Netflix. I just feel a kinship with Billy Eichner. Um, I, think I wonder if he's a Gemini. I looked up, I looked that up recently because I was like, this is such strong Gemini energy. He is not a Gemini. Oh, but you know what? I recently found out who is a Gemini, Stevie Nicks. And I was like, that tracks. Um, But yeah, Billy on the street, not a Gemini, honorary Gemini. I wish I could just scream at people, my opinions about pop culture. Uh, Yeah. Just, I love that show so much. It's definitely not for everybody. Like, I feel like some people I talk to about it are just like turned off by it and cannot engage but yeah i would like it's crazy that i don't hate it because that i everything about it is something that i would hate but i actually like it so it's weird i don't know why i know it's just to me it's like the best and the worst of humanity yeah glued together it's so new york too yeah it could only happen in new york like yeah People are so nonplussed (laughs) to have that man screaming at them. (laughs) Amazing. All right. So today we're talking about two noir movies and I can kick it off with this first one because I'm the person who gave up (laughs) writing this. Okay. Everyone gave up. The person who wrote the novel gave up. (laughs) Yeah. I have followed in their footsteps. (laughs) So first we're talking about The Big Sleep from 1946. Private detective Philip Marlowe is hired by the elderly and infirmed General Sternwood to investigate a case of blackmail against his youngest daughter, a wild, flirtatious nymph named Carmen. 
Carmen is being threatened by a bookseller named Arthur Geiger, but as Marlowe gets drawn further into a web of deceit, it becomes clear that there are numerous nefarious characters populating the big sleep. Among them is Carmen's sister, Vivian Rutledge, a cool-headed dame with something to hide. Please don't make me describe the plot of this film any further. There is at least kissing. Yes. That's it. (laughs) That's all my entire understanding of this movie. You know what? I'm not ashamed. You shouldn't be. It's literally like no one knows what happens in this movie. The plot does not make sense. No. The like like I said before, the author who wrote the book doesn't know what happened. There are like deaths that you're like, who killed this person? You never know. You never yeah. know why they were killed. I just like did not get a. I felt so <laughs> stupid. I'm also very sick. <laughs> no, it's uh, not that. It's just it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> not to jump ahead, but. In an interview I read with Ryan Johnson, who directed our second film, he discusses the difference between a whodunit and a noir. Mm-hmm. And he and other people have said this as well, point out that like the whodunit has a conclusion that makes sense and is rewarding. And mm-hmm. a noir is more about the process of inge- yeah. investigating a crime. Um, uh, yes, 100%. And like yeah. the atmosphere. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and in this case... The romance. The romance. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the only through lines I could really keep up with, was that Humphrey Bogart was horny for Lauren Bacall in real life and on screen, uh, and they make many good smoldering moments together. In uh, Roger Ebert's review, he said, some bad guys get killed and others get arrested, and we don't much care because the real result is that Bogart and Lauren Bacall end up in each other's arms. The Big Sleep is a lust story with a plot about a lot of other things. Which is like oh, I wrote, you, you big softy Roger Ebert. <laughs> I know, and I wrote in my notes that of course I like it because it's so horny. It's a very, very horny movie. <laughs> she is like, oh my gosh! So I think they from when I uh, was poking around on the internet trying to figure out what this movie was about. Um, <laughs> they added scenes between them after yes. they, another film came out uh, where their chemistry was like testing really well with audiences. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a scene where they talk about horses suggestively that was just <laughs> added in. And I think yes. that adds to the confusion of the whole plot is that there's I, extraneous elements just like shuffled in. I think so. I think like, so they made one version in like 44 or 45 and then they like released the actual version in 46, I think. Uh-huh. And it, it, they ended up like adding a bunch of scenes with Bacall and Bogart. They cut a lot of scenes with Martha Vickers who plays Carmen, the little, the younger yeah. sister. And I think that it just sounds like it went through the ringer like a bunch of times and was like at the chopping block a bunch of times. And like that probably was one of the reasons why it, it just didn't, make any sense yeah and another thing that got cut apparently were scenes with carmen um who is kind of like the catalyst for the entire movie Mm -hmm. she her blackmailing um is what sets off the the plot and gets marlo involved with the sternwood family but then Mm -hmm. she's kind of like not really a character or she's like Mm -hmm. has no real presence beyond like showing up once with a gun and you know like being a fusey they cut her out because they were afraid she would overshadow Bacall yeah. in the scenes there. And, and which is a shame because she was really great. I She's liked her really a lot. Good. And I think that she probably might, she might, they might've had that problem where it was like yeah. overshadowing her. But I think that that wouldn't have been a problem. There's such different types. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> such different types of like sex pots too, you know, like yeah. she's girlish and like very openly flirtatious. She's like sticking her fingers in her mouth. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then Lauren Bacall is like more mature, smoldering. Uh, yeah. And like know, mean. And, mean, and like yeah. in, in every article that I read about this movie, they call Lauren Bacall insolent. They use that word in every oh, single. That's weird. <laughs> and and I think I mean I think it's like sort of true in that like she is just sort of mean and I like it. I like that that she's mean too. And you know because Humphrey my, Bogart's mean. Yeah, like their whole thing is just making fun of each other. She yeah. and Carmen both call him short. Like within yeah. seconds of meeting him, we're like, "You're rather yeah. short, aren't you?" <laughs> and just not cute. Like I think uh, Vivian Bacall is like. You're like, I thought PIs didn't really exist in real life and that they were, if they did, they were just like greasy little men. And he was like, what if I like cleaned up a little bit? And she was like, that wouldn't help. (laughs) (laughs) She's so mean. And I think it's funny too, because like one of the other trappings of like a noir movie is every woman who meets the detective is into the detective. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like comical in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, a scene that really stuck out to me was when he's talking to the real bookseller who mm-hmm. is helping him learn more about the Arthur Geiger's bookstore, which is like a fake mm-hmm. front. And they're like flirting and they're getting into each other. And he like, she invites him for a drink and he's like, can we do something about your glasses? I know. And she's like, oh yeah. I know. And she goes to take off her glasses and she comes back and she's oh, so much hotter all of a sudden. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then it's kind of implied that they sleep together, but. I, yeah. I kind of liked that she was just like down to fuck she was like okay i'll close up shot let's have sex (laughs) and it's funny too because the like hand of censors is very apparent in this movie and apparently Mm -hmm. really uh made it a lot more convoluted than the actual book uh Mm -hmm. because of the different things you're allowed to show on screen in in the Mm -hmm. 40s uh but it's still despite their intervention incredibly horned up and yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> like they couldn't stop it um uh, like like for instance in the book apparently carmen is supposed to be naked at two different points she's supposed to be naked when mm-hmm. he discovers her at geiger's house mm-hmm. but instead she's just in this like weird oriental dress um it's in quotes uh air quotes and <laughs> and like it's like you have to infer that like she had sexy pictures taken of her but it's mm-hmm. difficult to tell they never say it it's yeah it's just like here's a picture (laughs) and she was in a dress but probably not in the dress there was also like a gay subplot that was taken Mm -hmm. out between which apparently like just affected the under like how the plot arrived at its conclusion too Mm because you didn't understand that this one guy was motivated by being someone's gay lover Mm -hmm. uh yeah i have heard before that one of the things censors were prickly about at this time were like if there was a bedroom scene with a man and the woman, they had to have at least three feet on the ground. Like they couldn't have like, Oh, like the configuration of how they had to be, you know, that no one could be like fully on the bed. (laughs) That's crazy. Crazy. There wasn't, there weren't any, like there weren't actually any bedroom Mm -hmm. like scenes. There was no sex and there was only like kissing twice or once maybe. (sighs) I know. And they cover it up with Humphrey Bogart's big head. Yeah, but at the but it's still like oozes sex the entire time. Yeah, it does. It's very sexy. What does Humphrey Bogart? Did Humphrey Bogart do anything for you? Not, not really. No, I'm, I was thinking. I was like looking at him, and I was thinking about how like Lauren Bacall is like this timeless beauty who mm-hmm. you just see her and you're like wowed by her. She's mm-hmm. like amazing to look at. And then you look at mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart, and you're like, ah, I guess it was you had to be there. Yeah, so. I feel like yes, I agree, and I think. 
I like the idea of them together, even though there's a 25 year age gap. Oy. But I, I still like, I don't know, for something, for it's some like, reason, I just like the idea of them together. It's like Beyonce and Jay Z, you know, where she's so beautiful that mm-hmm. she doesn't need him to yeah. be as beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so this movie had, I think a lot of people passed around on it trying to do different drafts of the script. But as you pointed out, mm-hmm. co written by William Faulkner, uh, who apparently, like, <laughs> didn't really contribute all that much and like asked Howard Hawks if he could quote work from home. And Howard Hawks (laughs) thought that meant like working from an apartment in LA and he like just moved back to Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, I did not know he ever wrote screenplays. Did he write more screenplays? Like I would be interested to figure that out. Um, Yeah. His name come up in the credits and I was like, Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then Lee Brackett, who, as you pointed out, uh, did a draft of empire strikes back and apparently she came up like with a, like one of the reasons why that movie is like better than the first star Wars or the third star Wars. Mm-hmm. And George Lucas like hated her draft and mm-hmm. was going to tell her that. And then was told she was dead in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's wild. Well, I think the same thing happened with this screenplay was that she wrote a draft that wasn't actually used, but a lot of the ideas were she, like punched up. Carried, the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she was known as the queen of the space opera. That's pretty cool. Like, what a cool lady. I'm, I like, if nothing else, I'm glad to know about her now. What a reach I, of your career, too, to be doing a noir movie from classic noir time and reaching, you know, to Star Wars. She yeah, like also, two of the biggest movies. Like, yeah. Wild. And she has her name attached to them. Where's her biopic? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she also apparently, uh, Humphrey Bogart was like, Oh, like what? What's all with all this like super feminized like writing? Who did this? And he thought it was her, but it was actually William Faulkner. And when he found out that she had written actually some of his like tougher lines, he started calling her the Butch. Um, <laughs> okay, very funny. So this movie, um, not as far as a noir movie goes, not super heavy on like very like stylish cinema or dramatic mm-hmm. like staging. Mm-hmm. I think its main flourish is in the writing and the script. Yeah, and um, I think that could be the same. Like it car- that carries on to brick too. For like, sure, it's mostly the dialogue that is so characteristic of the genre. Mm. Also, like weird props. Yes, I also think which is not often talked about, but I think is like definitely a noir thing after yeah. watching both of these. Yeah, weird props for sure, um, and. Uh, also characterized, you know, by like the moral murkiness of our lead detective, mm-hmm. cynicism, and women who are just down DTF. Yeah. <laughs> all Femme times. Fatale. Yeah. Why do you think it's called the big sleep? People kept calling, people said that it was because, um, said death. It's, yes, it's like death. It's, there's so much death in it. The like, underground of society no one knows that all this shady stuff is happening and yeah <laughs> yeah that makes sense there was another nor movie called the big heat so maybe they were just on a roll and they couldn't stop naming things that i wonder if the book was called the big sleep i think it was do you know how many okay. times i googled the big sick instead because <laughs> that's yeah and uh, you're also sick and i'm also sick so it's just on my mind um <laughs> Did you have a favorite part of this movie other than the kissing? I think um, for me, it's just the kissing. So. I think it's just the kissing. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I do like the bookstore scene. Yeah. I like the bookstore scene too. I like that. It like 
it's like a badge of honor to know stuff about weird rare books. Like, yeah. You trap someone. Yeah. I and I liked, the- I did like that the women were just like, I want to have sex. <laughs> I liked <laughs> Oh, this weird little man has come into my bookstore. <laughs> or like the taxi driver. Yeah. She was just like, uh, she was like, call me at night. I work during the day or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It's, I was a, just like into it. I was like, it's go a very, get it, girl. Very horny I movie. I like, love a forward woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to get into this one star review? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> should I read it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. This is from IMDb. (laughs) I have seen two old movies yesterday, but this one was rubbish. It is so rubbish that you may find it impossible to concentrate. Movies shouldn't be like this. It doesn't even have a plot. (laughs) Oh, true. This movie is all about a man looking for a missing girl. He sweats a lot in a disgusting way. He speaks with a whiny voice, too. I just hated him. Then all sorts of weird things are happening, and I didn't know what was going on. It was like a calamity had occurred in my brain. (laughs) I just got a headache watching this film. It is so rubbish. If they had taken out all the weird stuff and had a different actor to play the so-called hero, it would have been better. And that review was written by me. (laughs) It's not about a missing girl. I know. <laughs> there is no there are no missing girls. I feel for this person though. I understand. He does sweat a lot. I wish they knew they told what the other old movie was that uh was Yeah, that they watched. Not rubbish. Uh I almost wrote like read this in a British accent because they said rubbish so much that I was like, This oh, person yeah. must must be British. They're an angry Brit. <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> Ken's what would you rate the big sleep? I think like a six. Okay. Why would you rate it? I'm going to give it a four. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I'm happy we watched it. I thought it was a really good setup to brick, a good foundation for other noir movies. And I think it's worth seeing for the chemistry between Bacall and Boggart. (laughs) Boggart. Humphrey Bogart. I know how to say his name. Uh, but it's, it's like a Harry funny Potter. Name. You know, you don't see a lot of Humphreys out in the world anymore. You're right. It's kind of died off. Yeah. It is a, it's a bad name. It's a bad name. <laughs> it's, it's good. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it a four. Okay. The big sleep put me to sleep. That's a lot of the one-star review said that same thing. Oh, all right. <laughs> All right. right. Our next movie is Brick from 2005. In Brick, high schooler Brendan Fry must navigate devious theater girls, menacing jocks, beautiful queen bees, violent stoners, and a drug lord named The Pin to find out who killed his ex-girlfriend, Emily. At the start of the film, Brendan only knows that Emily was in deep with some bad characters and needed help. With the aid of his trusty intel man brain, Brendan haunts late-night parties, parking lots, and suburban basements to get to the bottom of his eternal flames demise. I know what tripped you up was that I put his last name in at the last second. Well, also, I hate the name Brendan. I know, that that too. Uh, but I saw it in a review, and I was like, oh, he has a last name. And I put it in, and then I was like, oh, this is one of those names that is really hard for me. Like, with the Fire Festival, I kept calling it the Fry oh. Festival. <laughs> It's it's fire, and this one's fry, though. Anyway. 
Well, it's like Brendan and Brandon. One, yeah. they as a society, a they should just Pick choose one. Yeah, I, I, I would be interested to see where those two names deviated. Who yeah, was the person right. who was like Brendan or I Brandon? Like, <laughs> I like Brendan better than Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I think Brendan's a stronger sounding name. Brandon yeah. sounds like a whip. It sounds like a jock. Brendan sounds like an Irish. Yeah, like Brendan Fraser, a yeah. good Brendan. Yeah, Brandon. I can't think of a good Brandon. I don't know a single good Brandon. All the Brandons I know in my life are horrible. Um, please leave a comment on <laughs> Apple iTunes if your name is Brandon and you're good. <laughs> or if you're bad. I just want to hear from you. Um, so what are your what, – what is your connection? Do you have a connection with this movie? I think you like initially got me to watch this movie. Oh, really? Because uh, you really liked it and talked about it a lot in college. Uh <laughs> It's Ryan Johnson's first movie. Uh, I think I watched it probably in college as well, too, for the first time. Or actually, I kind of remember getting this movie on Netflix, like through a DVD, like the Netflix DVD. Oh, wow. And watching it that way. Uh, I was super into Joseph Gordon-Levitt in high school and in college. Like, very, very into him. Mm -hmm. Kind of grown out of that now. Uh, (laughs) So I probably watched it for him. Uh, Oh, yeah, because I made all of us go see Looper, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, we I all went to see that. Looper. That was a fun outing. I like Looper a lot. Um, you know, I know you love this movie. It was kind of hard for me to watch this time around. You know what it made I, me think of? What? In Rushmore by Wes Anderson, when the character Max like puts on these intricate plays about like the mafia or like Vietnam and mm-hmm. it's like these high school kids dressed up being really serious. That's what it makes yeah. me think of. You yeah. know? I feel sort of the same way in that like in high school, I really liked it. And yeah. I still do really like it. I like, I really like the dialogue, which a lot of people hate, but I like it a lot. But the character, Brendan, I'm not so like a hot on anymore. Yeah. He's a little cringy. He is a little um, cringy. But I still, I love Ryan Johnson. Because yeah. he did The Brothers Bloom, which is like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I can't wait to see Knives Out, too. Uh, yeah. This same. holiday season. Um, I thought this movie, honestly, could have used a little more infusion of, like, humor or, like, at least, like, mm-hmm. winking at its premise. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed the moment where Brennan is at the drug lord named The Pin's house. First of mm-hmm. all, they established The Pin. Uh, Brennan and The Brain are talking about him, and they're like, he's really old. He's, like, 26. <laughs> which killed me as i am 26 and uh, um they go to the the pin's house and he like lives with his mom and his brandon and the pin are having like this super like heavy convo at the breakfast Mm -hmm. table and his mom is like would you like orange juice and like pours them orange juice out of this big pitcher uh Mm -hmm. and i thought like the movie could have used more of that more of like self-awareness um that although part of noir is like taking it very seriously and just like committing i think i think probably what turns people off this movie the most is that it is like high schoolers um like performing it this like kind of outdated um almost like cliched way of acting and uh speaking Mm -hmm. uh but i don't know maybe that would have made it too much of a a spoofy movie if they leaned into it that way i think like it's weird because the, there are like two adults shown in the film and it's that mom and the like principal yeah, or something. Yeah. And the principal takes 
Brendan very seriously and That's is like true. and is like treating him like an adult and yeah. they're like working together to find the drug lord basically. Um uh-huh. and and like the principal is like playing it straight. But the mom is just like these kids like shoes <laughs> or whatever. And I feel like both are like a good example of how like we just completely don't understand high school students or like high school people because yeah. I think like on one hand a lot of the times we under can underestimate high schoolers because like things they feel are so capable. real yeah. yeah and they're like capable of like really great things but they're also like still children <laughs> yeah they are 100%. which I think a lot of times we don't treat them as children also so it's like yeah. i don't know it's just this weird like dichotomy of like how what are they <laughs> they're neither, not yet a girl, yeah not, not a girl not, not a girl a woman. yeah whatever <laughs> ew i read this one review on IndieWire that came out in 2006 of brick where the male reviewer no joke his name might be brandon <laughs> <laughs> hate him wait a second um was like talking about uh the actress who plays Kara, who's like the femme fatale in this movie mm-hmm. and is like, she doesn't like quite fill out her dress yet. Like she's not super sexy. Ew. Like that's how, you know, it's a high school movie. And I was like, ew, man. Oh wait, I read that too. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, not cool. But in a way I really like, uh, what you wrote that like high school is a microcosm of characters that fit a certain type. And that like translates really well into a movie like this, where mm-hmm. you have all these different clicks that like, perform a different function for the plot or mm-hmm. translate into like just a different like meaning or a noir equi- equivalent you know right and i uh, don't think like it's hard i don't think high school is actually like that like i don't think no people are really <laughs> divided into groups like that i think movies want us to think that but i think that you do start to try and like label yourself more just to try and figure out who you are sort of so has any I feel like high school movie ever done that well? Like shown, because <sighs> like all of them lean into it. Even Booksmart kind of is like I yeah. think, I don't know. Booksmart thing is we all hang out though, which kind of like feels like yeah. no high school is that yeah. everyone hangs out. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It does sort of like remind me a little bit of Clueless, sort of. Okay, or and just in in terms of like the different. Uh, like being able to, I, I mean, Clueless is an adaption of Emma, the yeah. Jane Austen book, but it's high school can just easily be things. Other narratives can be easily projected into the high school like yeah. setting, and um, and also the, like the language. I think is a good. I know it's like obviously no one talks like the way they do in this movie. Like no one in the world talks yeah. like the characters in this. But if anyone were to, it would be like high school students because I think that they're always making up words and just like changing the way we speak. And yeah. I think like in Clueless, there are a lot of words that you're just like not sure what is like. That yeah, or mean girls, you know? Yeah. yeah that wouldn't, uh, like, necessarily, like, fit into the normal, like, lexicon or whatever. No, that's um, a really good point. But there point. is a point in Brick where uh, Brendan and the brain themselves are trying to figure out what a word means, and it's Brick, the title yeah. word. Because they just have never heard of it before, and they're like, Brick, what could it mean? And they're just, like, throwing out different things. Um, but, 
I I really like the the snappy dialogue. Yeah, same. And um, I read this interview with Ryan Johnson from just October of this year, actually, where he talked about like getting these kids to perform this dialogue was like going to make or break the movie. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about that by watching it too. That like mm-hmm. they do, they all do an amazing job. Like they're yeah. all like really, really good at it. And mm-hmm. they had apparently extensive rehearsals to kind of like mm-hmm. nail these different lines. And the one where uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett's uh, hits Dode, who's like the leader of these stoners, and he turns to Dode's gang and is like, I have like five senses and I slept last night, which puts me six up on the rest of you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the time apparently said to Ryan Johnson, like, you have to earn that line. Like, the whole movie has to, you know, like, you have to be able mm-hmm. to say something like that because the rest of the, the film has been working towards a character being able to say something like that mm-hmm. and everyone believes it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Ryan Johnson said in that was he was like we didn't have a big production budget like we had to make sure that we could stand out in some way and this was a like low budget Mm. way to just make it our own sort of yeah um or make it seem noir yeah Yeah. and yeah right and i think that it's a big reason why it's successful Mm. i loved in this interview where he talks about how he is uh, not a drug user and still has not been a drug user. <laughs> and there's a scene where Brandon finds the brick of drugs lying out on plastic in the pin's basement. Jody Tillen, who was our production designer, had worked as a costume designer on Miami Vice, and she was so upset. She was like, you would never do that. And I was just staring blankly at her. <laughs> it's so obvious, too. Like, of course a nerd made this movie. <laughs> I do fun. think, though, that this movie is very successful in making you feel empathy for drug users because it doesn't i feel like um emily is never like it doesn't feel like she's ever like judged yeah judged for it or she she's sort you just are like you i mean you just are sad that she's dead and like had this very tragic end i think for sure. I guess that's a good point to segue into like Brendan's relationship with her and like Brendan as a character, mm-hmm. uh, who much like, uh, Humphrey Boglart, uh, <laughs> in the big sleep, you know, is kind of like this cynical, dark loner who, um, is enraptured with like this one particular female character. He, uh, is such an outsider, you know, that like they kind of, set that up by saying, you know, like he eats by himself behind the school Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, where does he eat lunch? Right. Um, And I think it's alluded to that. Like he used to do his own drug dealing, like a very small time thing, but then he betrayed his partner or or like took, cut a deal with like the vice principal or whatever and betrayed his partner. And then he was sort of like outcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And he, kind of is like able to like flip between these different groups. Um, and where you put in this line from Humphrey blog, Barbara Dart. He said, uh, it's taken an awful late nights and drinking to put it there. When I go to work on a picture, I say, don't take the lines out of my face. And you're like, you wrote that obviously like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it doesn't have lines in his mm-hmm. face, but he has cultivated this sense of, 
you know, not wisdom beyond his years, but he's but like he's like cynical. He's like yeah. he's like worn down. Yeah, by it. and that's I think a lot of like high school students can feel that way. Yeah, I think I keep saying high school students. I should just say high school. Okay, narc. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, but I yeah, it, and I think that is why Brendan makes a good like noir main character hero but i do like in uh roger ebert's review of this he said the movie has one inevitable point of vulnerability because we can't believe in the characters we can't care about their fates they have lifestyles not Mm -hmm. lives Mm -hmm. the same can be said of many not all nor films and it's because of style that we treasure them and i think that i like agree with that but i don't not care about their fates like i am sad that emily dies and i do care about brendan like because i care that he cares so much even though and i admire that like his ambition and his like drive to just like get the thing done yeah but i think that a lot of his like motivation is from a misplaced feeling of like trying to fix or control emily and he's like bitter that he she broke up with him doesn't love him anymore um and he i think is aware that he is be like overstepping boundaries because he keeps saying every time he asks about her and is like where's emily he's like it's not my business and it's she's like business. it's not your business <laughs> yeah and so um i think it's a, like a little self-aware in that respect but it yeah. is like cringy a little bit his in that same Ryan Johnson interview from October, he says, you know, that it is like he is trying to examine masculinity a little in, mm. in this film as well. Um, and I think that brings us to the three uh, like female characters in this movie. Two of them are Brandon's exes. Uh, both of them are like, I know Joseph Gordon Lovett is cute, but like the theater girl is like way too hot for him. Yeah, it's I, like. I agree. <laughs> crazy yeah <laughs> doesn't make any sense uh, <laughs> i think that's just high school though there's the slim yeah, pickings true. that's a very good point um <laughs> and then there's kara who's kind of this mysterious no kara is the, queen the theater bee. no nope kara is the theater girl nope laura laura is laura is the uh I take it back but they both do wear the chi pao, which is, I think, the name of the Chinese dress. Yes, um, and so does Carmen in The Big Sleep. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting tie-in, too, I guess, to make him seem kind of, like, exotic or what have you. Um, yeah. and I just the, made a throwy-up yeah, face. The that's who plays, why she is. Yeah. <laughs> the actress who plays Laura was definitely, like, in stuff around this time, too. She was in this movie that I saw called not called fuck conversations <laughs> with other people uh okay. which had helena bonham carter and aaron eckhart and she plays the younger version of helena bonham carter she was in um the brothers bloom too for like the oh, first two minutes and ryan johnson has said like if i could cast her in every single movie i would like he, he loved her so much yet he couldn't get her in the last jedi so yeah seems fake <laughs> <laughs> also i'm mad at ryan johnson now for not putting the baby yoda in the last jedi could he i think i don't know but i i hate every other star wars thing now because it lacks baby yeah that's so true we should just have a baby yoda in every star wars franchise 
mm-hmm. from now on. I agree. Or baby. I mean, baby Ewok would really do it for me, too. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Baby Wookiee. <laughs> I mean, we just need a, a full baby uh, television show. Yeah, the possibilities. Wow. The possibilities are endless. Um, I do like... the the So the plot in this in brick is also very like convoluted and i remember not liking it i didn't like the big sleep or brick the first time i watched either of them because i was like Uh what the fuck is happening but um brick does sort of wrap it up pretty nicely yeah you understand what's happened yeah you yeah you understand it um but it i like noir as a genre so much because it doesn't hand things to you it doesn't really like hold your hand or it it doesn't um in well in um this review on indie wire by christy mitsuda she says it just feels good to take a break with a popcorn flick flick that doesn't insult your intelligence but in fact rewards you for it (laughs) i just think it's nice that it doesn't like it's the same reason why i like the original grudge the japanese grudge i don't know it just like doesn't explain things to Makes you work. it's just like yeah it's just like follow along yeah i i appreciate that too yeah um but at the same time i i like that this one does give you kind of like a button at the end yeah well um, the, yeah because the big sleep like literally actually doesn't make yeah. sense no one knows <laughs> and i think the confrontation between brendan and laura at the end of the film <laughs> is like uh pretty like satisfying um mm-hmm and she does play into this caricature, not caricature, this archetype of the femme fatale where mm-hmm. it was her all along. You know, like we've had all these kind of like nebulous mm-hmm. uh, men with bad motivations throughout the film. But really, it was just one slippery woman who <laughs> was setting it all up behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. her way, mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly like very funny that mm-hmm. these movies kind of center around um, like evil sexy women <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet we could talk more about that but i don't really want to <laughs> <laughs> you have heard it before <laughs> yeah um mackenzie uh oh one star review i will read we have a few we have quite a few <laughs> we i don't know which one should we read yeah, uh, let me know. look Okay, yeah. I can't believe I wasted so much time trying to figure out this movie. Perhaps your son or daughter that wears black and paints their nails black and dyes their hair black just might get it. <laughs> Nothing was good about this movie. Oops, I take it back. There's a really nice Mustang in this movie. Bah! I hate myself <laughs> for watching this. <laughs> what will be next? Kindergarten Mafia? That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good too. This, I like this one too. My black cat scamp is much closer to noir than Brick. brick. Ooh. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, this okay. movie is very like Lynchian too. Yeah, I uh, saw a few people were like it has like a um, Twin Peaks vibe, yeah. sort of like with the dead girl. Yeah, um, a lot of. I mean, it's like a well. It's definitely like a well-made movie. Yeah, it's, and I love the score. We didn't talk about the music, but another famous person who has messaged me on twitter nathan johnson get out it happened he messaged what about what well, he just tweeted at me 
<laughs> I said, I love this song. And he was like, wow, thank you so much. Nice. That's so good. I know. It was crazy. <laughs> He's Ryan's brother. It's cousin. Cousin. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Mackenzie, what would you rate Brick? I think, um, let me just look at what I just rated the big sleep. I rated the big sleep a six. So oh, I have to rate oh. this a seven? No, I feel like I'm going to go back and rate the big sleep a five and this a six. Okay. That sounds right. Okay. I'm going to rate this a six too. I can't remember. I rated the big sleep a five. Okay. So we both rated them five and six. That's no, fine. you rated the big sleep a four. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. That would have <laughs> tracks for me. This is a, a six. Okay. I enjoyed it and I'm very excited to see Knives Out. Me um, too. And I love Ryan. I'm so proud of Ryan Johnson for how far he's come. For being he married to Karina Longworth. Yes. What a catch. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. I hope she gives you notes on your movies. She probably does. That's probably why it's hot. Yeah. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> at chickflixpod and email us at chickflixpodcast at gmail.com our next episode will air on december 9th we'll be talking about tangerine and die hard two seminal christmas films to get in the holiday spirit get psyched <laughs> uh chickflix is researched and written by bridget hovell that's me and edited by mackenzie chapman that's her many thanks to tim Grieve carlson for our music and thank you for listening to chickflix sorry this was so insane <laughs> i think we did fine yeah all right goodbye bye <laughs>